You're listening to the Hero Up Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hero Up Podcast with Jim and Blake. Blake. Eugene Bender. I'm, yes. Yeah, I, I can yes. get into that. Yes. It's like the highlight of the whole thing for me. Today, we're talking about life lessons from movies. We sure are. We sure are. That was uncom- a little bit of an uncomfortable silence. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it because we have somebody coming in here before. And, you know, we talked a little bit about last week. Last week was TV shows. Yep. Which I of- thought was pretty interesting. I thought that was. It's it's interesting to know how much consistency we had is I feel like there was yeah. a lot of overlap in, in the things that we enjoyed and, and all that good stuff. I wonder if we'll have the same this week. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's one of those, it's a good lesson to like, you don't always have to be reading books from like the Stoics or be in church or like go somewhere where like, you know, like hearing like Tony Robbins speak. Like you can just you're, by watching TV. You're not, you're not better than anyone just because you, <laughs> just because you read. <laughs> <laughs> just because you read. Uh, but I think it's actually really interesting. Like you could be kind of wherever you are in your day and so many lessons come up from TV the, and movies, which it's so funny. Like I'm saying it, I'm trying not to laugh, but I'm, I actually think it's true. No doubt. All right. Let's talk about the first one. You want to start? Uh, do you want to do you want to go rapid fire on the movies you want to get into, or would you rather? Let's just uh, go. However, uh, go rapid fire first. What are your like couple of movies you wanted to bring up? And okay. then, uh, <clears throat> so mine would be. I try to narrow it down to my top one hundred. And what are the criteria? Also, like what what to the, you makes this, a good movie? What this, are you looking for in this list? This is why we're we're friends because we're so opposite on this stuff. I don't think that at all. Like, okay. I think of like what movies that I really enjoy. Why did I enjoy them? What did I learn from them? Uh-huh. That's it. So I didn't have like I don't have a like a real criteria to yeah. it. It was more like here's what I like. So Goodwill Hunting, uh-huh. it's one of mine. Creed and the Rocky series, obviously. I'm Italian. <laughs> oh my gosh! I used to box. Obviously, a lot of I see a lot of. You used uh, to box a long time ago. That yeah. explains a lot about your face. <laughs> 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 it's just because my hair looks really bad right now. And uh, I was gonna go with Top Gun, uh-huh. but I thought that was too obvious. Yeah, so I went Forrest Gump. Top Gun's very on brand for you. Yeah, Top Gun is very, <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun is so on brand for me. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What about you? What do you got? Oh man, my so, guess is you're all over the place. Yeah. So you, uh, I, my criteria is kind of what movies at the time did I walk out and I feel like I was changed in like a small, fun, but very fundamental way. I think the student has become the and uh, and uh, change its name to the Blake Podcast. And uh, with <laughs> within that. It doesn't necessarily mean that I thought this was like the best movie ever. I There was different criteria for me, and you'll see that when you hear my list because okay. it is all over the place. But let me just go rapid fire. Let's do it. Remember the Titans. Awesome. Gran Torino. Awesome. Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> Super Bad. Lion and Avatar. Lion? And, oh, is that the one you were telling me about? Yeah. Not, Lion is the – I don't know if it – it's currently on Netflix. I don't uh, I don't know if – I don't doubt this was like a Netflix original or anything like that. But that mm-hmm. one will – uh, hit you, hit you right in the uh, the heart heartstrings. Rip your. Tear I'm uh, I'm getting my usual abdominal cramp after I've <laughs> trained 30 minutes ago, and and we go right into podcasting. So <laughs> I was right on cue. But yeah, why don't you uh, go? What's your what would you like to discuss in uh, your first flick? I'll talk about. Uh, let's go Goodwill Hunting first. Mm-hmm. So Goodwill Hunting. You know, everyone has either seen this. If you haven't seen this movie, you should just go watch it, or you should at least read the description. I'm not going to get into it now. Um, yeah, read the description. Read the description. <laughs> <laughs> the same. Effect. I don't know. Watch the trailer. Watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah, watch the trailer. I'm super old school. So what I love about Goodwill Hunting is is that here's a kid who's been abused, but he's kind of a genius uh-huh. and good looking kid from Boston who's gone through some abuse, but it's super genius and uh-huh. super lovable. 
kind of reminds you if somebody oh doesn't ask. <laughs> if you say yourself, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> no, no, I would never. I would never. Unless, of course, you said that it was me. No, but I thought it was really cool because it's like you see this kid make a super, like a crazy metamorphosis from being this kind of like ruffian, for lack of a better way to say mm-hmm. it, to being this really open-hearted, loving dude yeah. and going and seeing what he goes through and seeing how he like, coming out of his shell is the wrong way to say it, but something where like he really like transforms himself in the, in the course of this movie, just from the time he spends with Robin Williams as his therapist and the time he spends with um, Mimi Driver's character, whatever her his name love is. love interest, I think. love it. interest, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just think it's really cool. Like I think it's like, you know, you see him in the beginning of the movie, he's solving the equations on the wall at MIT and nobody knows about it. And he's the janitor at MIT. And he's FYI. the janitor. Yeah. And, and this is a an equation that no one like no one in the world can the do. professor the professor puts it up on the board and then the right it's kind of solving a it yeah. goof like he, yeah. no one can do it he does it as he's walking clean up the halls yeah and he's from like you know he's super poor was he's, abused as a kid and uh it's just awesome like I think it this guy is so he almost feels like he's two different characters like he's got this one genius guy who's like maybe the open-hearted genius guy. And then this other kind of ruffian kid who's afraid to show his emotions, afraid not to be perfect and afraid to love anybody. And you see them morph into one person and where he comes at the end of it. So it's, it's, it is probably my favorite movie of all time. If I had to, I was thinking about this before yeah. this because I was writing my notes. I was like, this actually is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And it's not just because I like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Robin Williams. It's like, I was going to ask, do you think, what do you think Ben Affleck's contribution to the movie was? Because Matt Damon has all the credit in writing the, the film. Yeah, because he wrote and, it. And, and, all, and uh, did he direct it as well? He did not direct it. Gus Van Zandt. Okay. Okay. It. But either way, was, was Ben Affleck involved in the, the writing of this thing or is so that Matt Damon? The, the story is, is that Matt Damon had a theater class, had to write a story for it. He wrote this story and, you know, I think he did de- decent on his grade. And then after school- did decent on his grade. Can you yeah. Ma- can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Like I th- I actually don't think he did. I don't, I want to say he got like a B, but yeah. I, I don't know. Probably getting the story wrong. And then afterwards he told Ben about it and they were like, like, oh, we should finish writing this. Like, let's write this together. Ben was like, you got to turn this into a movie. Oh, gotcha. So he kind of like- got into it that that's way. pretty amazing yeah it's pretty we cool we should totally write a movie we together. should totally move <laughs> yes that would be great um we do need to write a book together i think that's should be the next step but that's a different topic for a different day um yeah so i think it's like i think ben affleck's contribution to it to answer your question is was interesting because everybody you need that buddy foil in a movie mm-hmm. like this you need the one dude who represents a certain something yeah but at the end when he's like look dude you're wasting your time if you're here you know, you shouldn't go out there and do all this for you. You should do it for me because I'm going to be 50 and I'm still going to be breaking rocks. Yeah. Like, I know the movie kind of line by <laughs> yeah. line. I thought that was such a great, it was such a loving moment because it's his best friend. His best friend doesn't want him to leave, but he know, but his best friend knows that it's the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. So he's willing to sacrifice that friendship to push yeah. him out the door and say like, go very, do this. It's very selfless. For the record, yeah. I expect you to live here in San Diego forever as I need you. No, don't follow your dreams. Definitely. Um, I will never, I will never follow that, my dreams. I'm not that level of friend. <laughs> I dropped my clipboard. I got so excited. Yeah, so that's the thing. What, what, I mean, you've seen it a thousand times. What'd you think of it? Man, that, that one's uh, definitely, had you not picked it on the list, that would be up there for me. Uh, I, I think that, 
you know, on the one hand, how many people can can relate because that guy's a a genius, and yet he's yeah. he's still such a a relatable character because he still has all of these problems. And on one hand, he could probably do whatever he wants to do in this world with yeah. how mm-hmm. bright he is, but on the flip side of that, he still struggles with self, you know, like who he is as a person and trying to, to yeah. yeah, relate to, uh, you know, all other people and put himself out there and all that good stuff. Yep. Um, and so it's, I think that's kind of the beauty of movies and storytelling is that you can, you can take stories that have elements that are larger than life, such as this guy who is so b- brilliant, he can solve equations as a janitor that are sitting yeah. on the MIT whiteboard. Um, but on the flip side, make them so extremely relatable and and make the trials and tribulations still um, something that you can kind of understand. And pro- most people can, can, you know, felt, have felt like they've been there before. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy, right? It's so nuts. What's crazy about it too is like, so do you remember when it came out? Like it it was up again. No, I don't remember when it came out. <laughs> I saw this movie when it was it. I was probably out for ten years at that point. How? Well, when did that movie come out? I have think? no idea. I have no clue. I'm 29 it, years old for the record. It came out the same year Titanic came out. Yeah, I did not see Goodwill Hunting when that. Anyway, <laughs> was like for those 11. of us more mature than this guy, <laughs> but when it came out, it was up for Academy Award for Best Picture, and it lost to Titanic. Dang! And it was one of the biggest things I've always had a problem with, like the movie industry. Uh, because like there's a movie that was shot with like a $3 million budget. Titanic was shot with, you know, a hundred million dollar budget or whatever it was. And I think Goodwill hunting is a way better story than Titanic, which people would argue probably, but whatever. I I think it was, I think it was pretty good. All right, let's go. Let's, let's, we may come back to that, but let's talk about one of yours. Which one you want to talk about? Oh, let's go with, I guess, uh, super bad because it is the most out there, out there with in combination with avatar on my list. Um, the thing I tell really us about, like, tell us about super bad, so what super it is. Bad, super bad is a comedy. Um, it's basically two friends who are seniors in high school. They're both kind of awkward. Um, who are the, it's Michael, Michael, Sarah and the guy uh, from Rusted Jonah. Yeah. And is it Jonah Hill? Jonah is Sark? that jo- Jonah? No, that's no. <laughs> Jonah something. Yeah. Um, and he's a Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. And uh, so they're best buddies and they're getting ready to go off to college. And the storyline is basically one night where the girls that from their high school that they have crushes on are trying to uh, ha- have recruited them to buy beer for their party. Um, and they're, <laughs> they're trying to go and purchase this beer um, and be like the heroes of the party. And yeah. they're, th- they're talking about how they're going to sleep with the girls and, and all this stuff. And the night just unravels, you know, as time goes on. And, and in any case, I just thought – like this is a great exemplar of movies I enjoy because it's not like a crazy storyline. It doesn't feature a brilliant genius guy or, you know, special it's not effects. Yeah, special effects and things like that. It's just two, you know, kids Dude. who are, who are fumbling their way through life. Yeah. And I just think there's something very authentic about that. And yeah. the, uh, the banter back and forth between them is something that, you know, I, if, for me, it, I think it came out when I was around 18 years old or so. And so it's just very like, like familiar to me to, uh, to understand kind of what they're going through <laughs> on just this low key level. I hope that I wasn't as pathetic as they, as they were. I'm pretty time. sure you were. I hope I'm not still as pathetic as they are. <laughs> well, um, either way, it's again, one of those another movies, topic for a different day. It's, it's we'll talk of, to Blake offline about that. Yeah, totally. It's one of those movies where anytime it comes on, no matter what part it is, I just 
just like just I, I just stop and I watch it and I yeah. doesn't matter if you know the house is on fire. I'm just gonna be sitting there comfortable laughing my ass off. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of what's what. It's a good, I mean I love that flick. I think it's such a I think it's such a it's such a great buddy flick. Yeah, you know, and like you're saying, like it's super low key. Like there's there's there aren't any grandiose themes or anything no. really being represented in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's so cool, like this friendship between the two guys and and. You know, and again, then they have the one guy, McLovin, who's kind of like this just complete goofball. Yeah. Who's also friends with them, who ends up being friends with the cops. And yeah, just, yeah. it's just awesome. It's out there. I, I love that movie. All right, cool. What else you got on your list? Oh, okay. We're going in a very different direction. Pick one of your, pick one of your Clint ones. Um, so Gran Torino is another one. And this yeah. is a Clint Eastwood film. I believe he's the director of it, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, and this is, is this probably came out about 2008, 2009-ish, yep. I would assume. Uh, Clint Eastwood is already old as dirt, and he's still coming out with great stuff. Unbelievable! All the time. Right? He has something. That's Dude, in, how old is this guy? Oh man, he's probably in his eighties at least. Shit. He looks, yeah, he's. he's I'm up mailing there. it in, like but, right, like around yeah, seventy. Sure. I'm mailing. I'm, starting I get, I, I you're kind of, <laughs> I hit thirty in next in a few months, and I'm oh, mailing it in. Um, so in any case, uh, Gran Torino is uh, just kind of a low key, a great movie. Um, the basic plot is this old man uh, played by Clint Eastwood. He's lived in the same house for probably decades. The store, the movie starts out with his wife having recently passed away. Right. Um, and uh, there's some, you know, strong uh, Catholic church presence in yeah. the film and in the undertones for sure. Um, and basically he's watching as the neighborhood um, kind of changes the demographic and right. you know, p- time passes on. There's a Hmong family and, and the Hmong community is like a nomadic Asian Which is community. Which spelled H- H-M-O-N-G. There's yeah. a big Hmong community in Northern California back home. And so I oh, really? knew a lot of folks who were Hmong. Got it. Um, in any case, uh, and Clint Eastwood's uh, character is just like really so unhappy with like how yeah, the neighborhood totally is changing. Racist. He's super, he's just... He, He's racist in like an old white man yeah. uh, kind of fashion yeah. and uh, is just not very accepting. Old, uh, the next door neighbor, uh, the, the kid who lives next door, who's a, the, young, the young Hmong boy, um, probably high school aged. He is kind of going through his own struggles as – Right. He's getting bullied or something, right? He's getting bullied and, and more than that, he's getting – like the one of the the Hmong gangs gangs in the neighborhood is kind of trying to recruit him um, into the the gang, and he's trying to resist and like basically trying to keep his head head low as much as he can. Um, but they kind of get his claws into the kid and, and say, "Hey, you need to try to steal uh, Clint Eastwood's character, Gran Torino, his car in order to uh, do that." Um, Clint Eastwood ultimately catches him, and right. the mother. Um, the mother finds out what the boy did. The mother of the boy finds out and says, "Hey, we're indebted to you. Like you're gonna you're gonna work and pay back your debt for the summer." And though, of course, he's Clint Eastwood's character starts out saying, "I want nothing at all to do with you." Um, ultimately, he learns to really respect and admire the kid, and they yeah. create this like really kind of cool relationship. Yeah, uh, they open Clint Eastwood's eyes to like you know like different different cultures and things like that. Right, they invite him over for like a, a meal or something. Yeah, right? and and all sorts of stuff. And and uh, he ends up probably developing a closer relationship with uh, the family than his own family who, you know, right. like he has grandkids who are asking about his car and like, oh, when you die in a couple of years, because that's coming, uh, <laughs> like what's going to happen to this and that? And so he just doesn't seem to have a really close relationship with his own family. And so um, it's pretty neat because the the movie ends and I won't give away too many spoilers, but um, through he just really sacrificing himself uh 
to stand up to this Hmong gang yeah. uh, when they are have assaulted like the older sister and all these things. Yeah. And so pretty powerful stuff. And it's amazing just to, I guess, see the transformation that can take place through just getting to know a different culture and a different uh develop a different appreciation for, for those things right. um, in a very unexpected way. And so that's what uh, kind of stood out to it. To that, what did you, what did you learn from it? What did I learn from it? Um, like, did you take anything away from it afterwards? Were you like, I mean, like, wow. I, there, I don't know that there were, it just reaffirmed things that I think I, I had already felt, which is, yeah, was just like it. this, this very rigid individual who was the Clint Eastwood's character, you know, and was resistant to change. But he, the the character himself, though flawed, had some very uh, positive characteristics and qualities, and kind of he stuck to his guns, both you know, metaphor, yeah, figuratively and literally. Right, right. Um, but you know, you could see that he was just seeing like a lot of BS manifest around him. Right. Um, and he called it like, like he saw it. And, uh, you know, he, he, at the same time, didn't allow the, the young man to, um, settle for being less and, and kind of was a big catalyst in helping this, the, the guy develop a skill set to help his family and help resist, uh, getting recruited by the gang and, and right, all those right. good things. And so, uh, again, I just thought those were some very admirable characteristics and, and the narrative of how that, you know, unraveled was a really cool thing to see. Yeah. It's cool to see like somebody go through, again, kind of goes back to the thing about transformation, mm-hmm. right? Like someone going, starts at one sort of set in their ways. And then by the yeah. end of the movie, they're like, yeah, wow, yeah. this guy's totally different. And I don't know who transformed more in that movie, uh, Clint Eastwood's character or the, the other boys. I should, really should have yeah, names of these things, but I don't you know. know. It's, 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 uh, shows you how much transformation and I'll put that in quotes, isn't a one like it's it's relationship based it's something that yeah. takes more than than one person it's usually something that where people grow together and they grow based upon learning about what the other person's going growing through going through and so yeah. I, I guess that would be a little lesson that yeah. i'm just realizing right now yeah yeah wow cool. pretty cool what you got What's all right next um my next one is going to be creed creed and the rocky series and so is are you saying like specifically the creed that came out recently does, yeah does that affect Even, you in a in a different way than the original films like no okay okay no All so right. i think almost and so i've been watching rocky movies since they came out yeah because i'm a thousand years yeah. old and i was alive when they came out um rocky one rocky two rocky three rocky four do you have a favorite do you rank them rock yes rocky two okay then rocky four N- go by uh who they're fighting uh, Apollo Creed. Okay. Ivan Drago. Then Clubber Lang. Don't know him. Rocky Three, Underrated movie. Are you into Rocky Balboa? That was between. No, no. I didn't like that one. Okay. I was not a fan of that okay. one. I own that on DVD. I'm sorry to say. I won't like ever 40, borrow it. It's like one of four DVDs I own. I don't know how I have it. <laughs> I don't know either. That would be the least likely one I'd want to borrow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw Creed. I saw Creed Two the other day. And I saw the first Creed. Okay. The overriding themes or the lessons that I got, and I wrote these down. Typically, the toughest opponent is yourself. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in a previous podcast about harnessing your inner power and like changing your view of yourself and how so many times your limitations are really what your view is. And you, you see this a lot in the Rocky movies where like these guys are going against who they what they believe is to be an uh, – uh, insurmountable force, like, you know, someone who's way better than they are. And there's this great scene in Rocky four when Rocky is fighting Ivan Drago and he cuts his eye, mm-hmm. like during the round, he cuts his eye and he goes back to his corner 
And Apollo Creed, who's not training him, is like, see, you cut him. He's a man. Be more man than him. And he's like, shows that like, you know, he's not a machine and he's beatable. Mm-hmm. Because the whole movie before then, it was like all about like how unbeatable this guy was and how he basically was like a cyborg. Yeah. So I think, the t- you know, realizing that the toughest opponent a lot of times is yourself is a big thing. And then building your own legacy, I thought was also key too, because like, these are both underdogs. Like in Creed, he's not an underdog because he's loaded and he's rich, but he starts fighting under a different name to some extent. And he mm-hmm. goes by Donnie instead of Adonis. And because he's trying to build his own legacy. And I think mm-hmm. that there's something really cool about like, regardless of how you grow up, regardless of what your parents did, regardless of what people expect of you, if you can work on building your own legacy, it just seems to be like just a very, just cool endeavor mm-hmm. to go after. Um, the other thing I wrote down, don't sleep on the underdog because the underdogs do win. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is I love that I love being the underdog. Mm-hmm. I don't like being the favorite ever. The times Have I've you ever, ever been, been the favorite, maybe once, <laughs> once or twice in my life. That's it. I don't like it. Yeah. But like when you're the underdog, like there's no pressure. Yeah. Right. Like anytime that I've been in here and like, I don't know, like they're in a competition or whatever, like they, there's no pressure on me. No one's expecting sure. me to like kill it or whatever. Except for me. Except for you. I got high hopes for you, Jimbo. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. And, and that's something that's really cool. Like to be in that space, it's super freeing. Mm-hmm. There's no pressure. And like if you fail, it's not a big deal because no one's expecting gives you, you to- It gives you all these opportunities to take risks that you can't yes. take that yes. if you were- I'm high-fiving you from afar. Uh, yeah, yes. if uh, if you're in that position where you have a lot to a lot to lose in that situation, then you, play you have safe. to be conservative. And yep, ain't no time for playing it safe in this world. You know? No, so I think that's that's a very good point. I won't even talk anymore about that. Um, the last thing is, as it relates to Creed and Rocky, is that you really have to train for greatness, mm-hmm. right? Like it can't be. You can be good at something, right? Like you can be good at lifting. You can be good at work. You can be good at whatever. But if you really want to excel, if you want to be the best, if you really want to be great at something, mm-hmm. you have to train for it. You can't not training for it. Like um, I don't remember many quotes. I remember a lot of Tupac song lyrics. Yeah. But the one quote that I always remember is that Muhammad Ali once said, he said, they were asking about his training regimen and they were asking about his sit-ups and he said, I don't start counting sit-ups until they hurt. Someone asked him, how many, how many sit-ups do you do a day? And he's I like, like I don't know. He's like, I don't start counting until they hurt. <laughs> I think that's fucking fantastic, dude. I'm getting like chills even talking about yeah. it. Yeah. It's so cool. Like yeah. you have to train for it. You can't just get by on your good looks or, you know, cause you were born a certain way and you can do a certain, you know, something decent. Totally. You really want to be great. You got to train for it. I like, I like that idea. That's uh that pretty solid, know, right? That may be incorporated into your own training one of these days. Yeah. Like I like that. that. Very cool. All right. Let's go to one of yours. Um, all right, let's move on. And I think that this, I'm going to eat my mint. So don't freak out. <laughs> you always seem to freak out every time I eat my mint. So weird. He's literally, he's literally pulling apart. A, a it's mint, mint in iced tea from Phil's. It's uh, so good. So I'm, thank you very okay. much. No, thank you. Uh, I think this one like Goodwill hunting could probably be in a lot of, uh, people's top lists. We're going, remember the Titans. Oh my God. Such, Great a, good movie. One. Such a good one. I wanted to see um, this one so bad. I want to say that. It's kind of funny that you and I both have like sports related films on yeah. our uh, on our list prevalent throughout our lists, mm-hmm. and I it's it's kind of an amazing thing because I, I feel like I went through this phase where because so much of my adolescence was like sports oriented and you know winning and losing and like yep. coping with all that stuff. Then when I got a little bit older and matured, I was kind of I kind of developed this 
idea of like, well, like really sports don't truly matter. Like you win. And then if, you know, like the alternative is you lose, like it has no, it has no impact on anything. Like what's the, what does it even matter? Right. And as more time has gone on, I've realized that sports are one of the best analogies that people have in, in learning about themselves and, to invest yourself wholly into something and, you know, understand that no matter what the outcome is, like investing yourself wholly into that process is probably the most important part of it. Yeah. Um, and which is why like some of the best sports films of all time, the, the protagonist will end up like losing and that you'll still have this heartfelt moment of like, man, but like, you came so you close. Came like, nice you were right there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, obviously that's not really the this exact story in Remember the Titans, but yeah. that there's multiple uh, facets in that movie in particular. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, that's one of the reasons that I think that people should uh, try to find an athletic outlet or something like that, even if it's like chess. Like it's not a physical outlet, but it's certainly a competitive outlet. Sure. Um, and it allows you to learn how to be a graceful uh, winner and loser. It teaches yep. you how to make sure that you're preparing yourself thoroughly. It teaches you all like all of those same lessons. Um, and uh, I think that when you like there's also something very relatable to that process um, I never played football and yet like I consistently love watching football uh, films. I don't watch I don't watch football, the NFL or anything like that. Um, but you understand what it's like to, you know, sweat in the middle of summer and that feeling of just right. trudging through it and somebody yelling at you and some conflict that happens between teammates. And, and, uh, again, I think that the skill set that people learn through relating to others on teams and things like that are also something that's like super pivotal for just personal development in any, in anyone. So, you know, maybe football is not your sport. Maybe it, it is, but I would encourage, uh, yourself. And if you are raising children to consider how, you know, putting them into a position where they have to, uh, go through those challenges because they're going to yeah. come out better people on the other side. Hundred percent. I hope. I don't. Know. I hundred percent agree. I think it's like, I think sports. You're touching on this. I think it's probably the easiest way and most effective way to learn so much about yourself and improve yourself. Yeah. On a regular basis, and it's so accessible. Whether it's CrossFit or like my daughter's doing parkour. Like yeah. Even that, she's the only girl in the class, and she's it's awesome. It. Yeah. It's awesome. The other day I was there, and she did like a front. She did like a front flip off the trampoline and I was like, holy shit. Like, I don't know you could do that. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy. And like, there's like, you know, 15 boys in the class. And her. Yeah. But I think sports is such an interesting mic microcosm of society and you can just learn so much from it. Mm -hmm. What else did you take from Remember the Titans? Oh, I love well, rem it. Yeah. Remember the Titans. Not only is it a great sports movie, it's just a great movie on every level. Uh, Denzel. Den Denzel's our guy. Uh, the the storyline, if you live in a bubble and haven't seen the movie – you do it. Um, Denzel, Denzel Washington's, yeah, Denzel Washington's character uh, basically comes into this uh, successful football team in which the uh, the school and it takes place in what the sixties, yeah, or so. Yeah, would you yeah. estimate like Virginia, right? Um, yeah, something like that. And the school is being integrated uh, for the first time, and so the white population, many of which are really unhappy with it, they're trying to figure out how to make it work. And Denzel Washington's character. Uh, spoiler alert, Denzel Washington is a black man and he's the coach <laughs> of the school. Um, and uh, he's to actually taken over for, for the, the head coach who previously is who's a white man. Right. Um, and so there's this sub, there's this 
uh, subplot line in which they're trying to coexist and like demonstrate a mutual level mm-hmm. res- of respect. Um, and then you just watch this team who, you know, they start off by going they hate to tra- each other. They start off going to training camp. The white players uh, can't stand the black players. Yep. And there's all these struggles and fights and conflicts and things like that. And then the two leaders on, on the team, both are uh, defensive players, correct? Yep. Uh, one of which is a white guy, one of which is a black dude. And uh, they, you know, bump heads several times over and over again. Yep. Um, and then... I guess there's one pivotal moment when they're at training camp and uh, the guy, what is the, any idea what that actor's name is? Cause that would the be white the guy. Yeah. White guy. Uh, uh, let's in, just call him white linebacker from right now. Oh man. The black dude is Wood Harris. I th- want to say okay. from the wire who ends up being the, okay. the, uh, the main dude in the wire, man. There's so many super successful actors you know what else in is this in thing it? too. Um, What's his name? Brian Gosling. Right, Ryan Gosling. Right, uh, Ryan Gosling. I saw it. such a great meme like a, a couple of weeks ago or months ago, and there there was like no matter what your girl say about uh, Ryan Gosling, he was an absolute liability. <laughs> <laughs> Tailback and remember the Titans. <laughs> he so was. Uh, uh, so great. That's so funny. But um, anyway, so, yes. So, <laughs> one of my favorite memes of all times. Um, in any case, I, I don't know. I guess, was that was that a meme? I don't know. It was a, it was a picture with uh, words on it, whatever. Um, so in any case, the pivotal scene uh, that I'm describing now is when they're at training camp uh, and the – White dude. The white dude um, basically pulls aside the black guy and he's like – why, why aren't you trying? Like, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to be a leader, you know, yeah. for these guys. And he's like, what do you mean? Why am I trying? Like, your guys aren't even, like, aren't blocking anyone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and uh This is hilarious, by the way. Listen, do you describe the football parts of this movie? Because like, <laughs> yeah. you can clearly tell you've never played I, football. Uh, I, like, I've actually so they played, had the football played, game. I played football once, and it was on G, uh, <laughs> Jim's, Jim's flag football. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> My one experience. Um, in any case... Uh, yeah, he pulls him and and the the white guy like takes a moment and he backs he he takes a step back and realizes like holy shit like I am a huge part of the problem because I'm yes. not holding my guys accountable. Level of accept yeah and, acceptance was and awesome. And all of a sudden in the very you know in the very next play or shortly thereafter uh, when one of the other white guys completely misses a tackle. Uh, the white guy who's the leader steps in, gets in his face and is like, hey, you need to step it up and block. And and the, the other guy who just like purposefully missed the blocks, he's like, holy crap, I like you're getting in my face right now. Like, yeah, this we're is supposed such to be a, bros. Yeah, we're supposed to be bros. And yet, you're, you know, you're doing this. And it fundamentally changes the team altogether. And, and you know, those two captains become best friends, the white guy and the black guy. Yeah. And then they try to reintegrate training camps over, reintegrate back into school. Society, yep. Even though this team is now one and they're, you know, a whole working unit, no one else in the society kind of sees that. And so slowly, you know, slowly but surely – uh, you know, the black players endear themselves to the white community and vice versa. And, but, you know, there's certainly going to be characters who are resistant to that. And they, they yep. represent a perspective that hopefully the ma- majority of society has, uh, you know, grown and evolved from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but in any way, that's kind of the, the, some of the big storylines and yeah. just a very cool movie on so many different levels. I loved it. I thought it was so awesome. It shows like just a level of acceptance of how like, when you're unfamiliar with something, you tend to you almost vilify it. Mm-hmm. And so like you see the white dudes and they're unfamiliar with the black players. And so they're like, they've been taught to be afraid and to not like them. Yeah. And then they start talking to them and like, wow, they're just like us and the black kid. And the, and it goes both ways. Like the black kids, black dudes is the same way 
where like they've been taught to like not like the white guys mm-hmm. and you see them grow together as a team and it shows like one of the biggest lessons I got out of that movie was like how powerful you can be when you are aligned mm-hmm. within a small group that everyone has the same goals and there's trust and love between everybody. I think yeah. that's, I think that's so cool. Like, it's like, it's kind of like the competition or when we do partner workouts or whatever, it's similar to that to me. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's aligned and there's trust and there's like a willingness to work really hard towards a specific goal. Mm-hmm. And you see this team and that in the backstory of the, of the movie, which is a true story, I think is interesting is that like, they weren't really supposed to be that good. The mm-hmm. team actually wasn't supposed to be that good. And they end up winning. They won the state championship. Something like that. They right. win. They, they win, win the, the city end. championship, the state championship, and then they come in like second in like for, the national like, in or the something national like championship. That, something yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I just think it's yeah, good movie. All um, the the last lesson I had kind of taken away and we we'll move on to a different movie was simply how much uh, the the willingness for some of the people to step up and challenge the status quo. Yes. takes a tremendous yes. amount yes. of Great gumption lesson. and a tremendous amount of. What is the word I'm looking for here? I don't know. What I it is. just uh, it's courage. Maybe yeah, courage? Cur- yeah, absolutely. Courage. I think is. Are you is lost me when you said gumption a little yeah. bit? I felt like we do, are we 1930s? Uh, yeah, a tremendous amount of courage because you know when somebody stands up to their own friend to you know like defend defend the other or defend the person who's on the outside. Yep. Or you know when the. Uh, one guy stands up to his mom for like, yeah, you know, not, not he's coming over yeah, for lunch. Julie, yeah, yeah, exactly. For not, you know, showing the same type of love for this person in, in his life as well. Who's his, you know, good, good friend. Yeah. Um, I think that that is a really challenging thing. And any person who's been in that position where they need to stand up to a group of people who are there, like their peers is, is very scary and can be alienating. But um, ultimately I think the world needs a lot of people who are able to, who are in a position where, you know, they can change things for the better. And, and so I think that is kind of the, one of the biggest takeaways yeah. I have. Agreed. Awesome. Cool. We only have a couple more minutes. Um, let's go rapid fire on a couple of these. So yeah. I'm going to say a couple from Forrest Gump and then we'll go right to your sure, list. Sure. So Forrest Gump, great movie. Great movie. Not even going to bother doing the synopsis because if you haven't seen Forrest Gump, I mean, totally. you just shouldn't even be listening, right? Yeah. So w- the thing I love best about Forrest Gump, I'll, I'll get, you guess. What do you think I love best about Forrest Gump? Uh, well, I, I think I briefly looked at your notes before, oh, before the movie. So it was just the, uh, the blissful unawareness of Forrest's faults yep. and his ability to uh, step it up. That's 100% right. Yeah. For me, it's, he is blissfully unaware yeah. of his God-given faults. And he doesn't, and it doesn't matter to him. He's yeah. able to succeed in spite of that. And he just doesn't care. Like he, I think he knows a little bit. Everybody thinks he's like a little slow or whatever, yeah. but he still excels even though that's the case. Totally. And then the other piece I would uh, say to that is um, the, the one of the big things I got from him uh, is doing the right thing no matter what. Mm-hmm. So when he ends up becoming a shipping boat or sh- a shrimp boat captain and like makes a little bit of money and then the hurricane hits and then he makes a ton of money and then he invested in Apple and then that stock blows up and he's got like billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> he buys Bubba's family. You know, he gives them half of the money yeah. because he made that promise to Bubba in Vietnam before he died. Yeah. And like, he didn't have to do that. Nobody knew about it. But for him, it's just like doing the right thing was never a question. It was just like, he always was going to do it. And I, I wonder like, like my, my idealistic view of the world like, what if everyone did that? What if just yeah. automatically, and myself included, like, what if we just automatically just like 
did the right thing all the time without like, you know, for the promise of reward or whatever. So yeah, I think I hadn't, I hadn't given that facet of it a whole lot of thought, but I think that is like a super cool thing. Cause how many people are doing something with the hope that they're going to be viewed positively by somebody yeah, totally. else. And, and there's just like zero of that and forces like character. Yeah. It's just like, not even, it's thing. like not even like attached. Like he doesn't, it's so that's so over his head or past him. He doesn't seem to give a shit and totally care. All right. Avatar. Last one, Avatar. Um, oh, pick whichever one you want. It, uh, I'll go Avatar. Is, uh, this, I recognize, is not the most complex plot. <laughs> than I've only movies. seen it once and I fell asleep in the middle. <laughs> okay. So, but either way, the the thing that did that Avatar did for me, I see, saw this movie in IMAX 3D uh, with my wife and her dad uh, and years ago. And it was, I just walked out of that movie and I was just like, Oh my God, like I've just been on like a trip or something like that. I've just been, I've just been to another world because of the visual input experience. And I think that there's something very magical about like a movie's ability to take some place that I couldn't have driven, dreamed up that world. I couldn't have ever gone there outside of like, you know, in my wildest, wildest dreams. Um, and so I just think that it's, uh, an amazing skill, whether you're into, you know, fantasy movies and it's Harry Potter or Star Wars or right. Avatar or some equally out there weird, uh, I, you know, world that somebody has created in their mind. Right. Um, I just think that is a really cool thing. And that's kind of the beauty of movies is the ability to take you to a place that you never dreamed of. <sighs> what a deep thought. Let's end <laughs> on that. That was awesome. Thank you very much. Cool. Thank you. All. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Right. Talk to you guys soon. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really appreciate you guys listening in. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And you can always check us out online at heroupmedia.com, heroupmedia.com. Talk to you guys soon.